0: Well, good morning. So, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, FDR, was elected and assumed the presidency at the height of the Great Depression in 1933. And about one point, or about 13 million were unemployed at the time, and almost every bank was closed uh, when he came into office. And so this new president understood that the key to national recovery was for him to rally the citizens around some common goal, some common focus, uh, that they all needed, and so their focus for too long had been on loss and on dread and on difficulties and on that they faced both individually and as a nation during this time. And so, to wrap kind of the national consensus up into one concise description during this time, I think it would have to be fear. And so everybody was afraid. And so this new president comes in and steps forward in one resounding statement that would reverberate through history. He proclaims the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so because fear creates anxiety in our heart, fear divides our mind, it drains our energy, it hinders our life. And so we refuse, I think, I probably refuse to admit how many times fear shows up in our psyche. And so we're fearful for our health. We're fearful for our safety, our children, and our family. We're fearful for uncertainty of the day ahead. We're fearful about uh, you know, the, the health of those around us. We're afraid we're going to run out of toilet paper. And so there's all kinds of fear uh, that, that creeps into our hearts. But experiencing fear, the experience of fear, is not a sign of a lack of faith. However, we must never let fear control us. Fear cannot be a controlling factor in our lives as Christians because fear can be a gripping emotion. And the Lord God never intended for His children to be fearful of the future. And so there's this natural anxiety from living in an unknown. And as, and as uncomfortable as, as we allow ourselves uh, to, to become in times like this, it just points a spotlight on how comfortable we are, as Americans, in our routines of this American life that we live. And we have once again been reminded that everything about this world is temporary. Our schedules, our plans, our expectations, our freedoms, everything is subject to change at just a moment's notice with one errant droplet even and so but as people whose faith in god is the cornerstone of our very existence we have to look beyond the possibilities of today and instead focus our direction on the assurances of tomorrow so james writes about this in james chapter 4 and verse 13 where he says come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town and spend a year, year there and do business and make a profit, you do not know about tomorrow, for what is your life like? For you are a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes. You ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then we will live and do this or that. And so the Israelites were once again faced with the unknown and the uncertain in front of them, and so this new generation uh, was now ready to enter this promised land that, that God had been preparing them for. Generations of people ha- had been looking towards, and yet their, their parents had rejected it. And so Joshua has been appointed at Moses' death to lead the children of Israel on this final leg of what has been this forty-year journey through the wilderness here. He was endorsed by Moses. He was blessed by God. He was filled with God's Spirit, filled with wisdom of God's Spirit. He was recognized by the people as their leader, and yet God finds some need to charge Joshua to have courage. So why did Joshua need courage? Well, you got this thing called the Jordan River that they were about to cross, and the Jordan River flowed through the boundary between this, the uncertain wilderness that they had been coming out of and the uncertainty of the promised land. And so Joshua had led the Israelites to the Jordan River and the promised land is now in sight. And so 400 years of slavery and 40 years of wilderness wandering had brought them to the edge of this water. They've hoped, they've walked, they've suffered, they've prayed, they've... they've cried, they've regretted, they've sinned, they've whined their way to this very moment. And yet, what do they see? What do they see when they finally get there? They see a river in flood stage overflowing its banks. And so there's no low water crossing inside. You've got 150 miles of this. You can't go around it. There are no bridges built across it to, 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 to move the people over it's, it's, it's blocked, it's impassable. What are we going to do? This is neither a good time nor a good place to try and cross a river. And more often than not, this is how our own River Jordan looks in life. We forget, however, that this is not our time and it's not our place because God has chosen and brought Israel to this time and to this place. God's not surprised by the river he, he wasn't. He, he didn't mess up on His directions and getting them where He wanted them to go. And even as God brings us to the time and the place for our river crossings, God's not surprised about humanity and what happens in our lives. The only way across the river is through the river. I was thinking about when our kids were younger. You know, you, they, they won't enter a dark room, right? Young kids typically will not enter a dark room. Even if they can see... Whatever it is they want in that room, they will not go in and get it if it's dark. Because the shadows of the room cast too much of this eeriness, this uncertainty for their little young hearts to overcome. And so you can tell them all day long, you don't have to worry about it. Just go go in there and get it and come back out. You can tell them that all day long. It's not going to matter. Nothing is going to get them. They won't go. There is nothing in that room they won't go. It doesn't matter to them. But if you take their hand and you say, come on, I'll go with you, they will pull you into that room, right? It, nothing's changed except the fact that your presence is with them. You don't even have to turn on the light. They'll go if you're holding their hand. And in their view, the person with them was bigger than anything hiding in that room. And so the question, how deep is it? Where, where's the bottom? Is it slippery? Is, is is the water cold? How strong's the current? How far across the river we got? What's on the other side? These are all good questions for people needing to cross a flooded river, or for people needing to endure the unknown effects of a normal virus. Right? In some way, these are the questions of life, and so these are the questions that arise every time we make a move, whether it's geographical or emotional or spiritual. But they're not, however, questions that get answered. Before we step in the river. So when did the water part? You keeping up with your Bible reading, or you head a little bit maybe? When did the water part? When the priest's foot was in the water, right? Ultimately, it's God, not the answers, who leads us across the Jordan. And this is what God did for Joshua. Joshua faced this task of leading this group of desert nomads against trained armies of well-established kingdoms. And so that would be enough to make even the bravest one among them afraid. And so the Israelites were concluding this 40 years in the wilderness, which began with fear, right? That's how they ended up being drug around for 40 years, is because it began with fear. What they saw as impossible kept them from doing what God had asked them to do. They could have entered the promised land years earlier, except for fear. But now was the time and now was the place. And God did more than just give Joshua a battle plan, more than just a pep talk here. He reassured him. He said, I will be with you wherever you go. So fear not. So Jesus said these very same words as he sent his disciples out into the, the region, right? He he didn't say they would not be afraid. He didn't say there's not going to be some things that are going to to scare you, going to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so God doesn't promise that He will not lead us into fearful situations. And God may call you to stand up in, in your office, in your place of employment, in your family, in your community. He may call you to stand up there for Him, right there. Sometimes our biggest fears are are close to home. And so in either case, we may be quite afraid. But now, as much as ever, our society needs people of God to stand strong and courageous on the principles and the teachings of the Bible. And so we can do it just like Joshua did because God has also given us the solution to fear. (coughs) So I've had allergies now since... few weeks before all this started if you want to get in and out of walmart quick walk with me because as soon as i get that little tickle and cough man they are diving down the aisles so but god has given us himself and in christ we have strength for our weakness every weakness and we have the courage for fear Yea, though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death what david what i shall fear no evil why not Because you're a big bad soldier, man, for thou art with me. It's your rod, God, it's your staff that give me comfort. So let's look how this played out with Joshua. This is Joshua chapter one and verse one. So after Moses, the Lord's servant died, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get ready. Cross the Jordan River, lead these people into the land that I am ready to hand over to them. I'm handing over to you every place you set foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north. It will extend all the way to the great Euphrates in the east, including all Syria, and all the way to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to resist you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not abandon you or leave you alone. Be strong. And brave. You must lead these people in the conquest of this land that I solemnly promised their ancestors I would hand over to them. Make sure you are very strong and brave. Carefully obey all the law my servant Moses charged you to keep. Do not swerve from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful in all that you do. This scroll, this law scroll must not leave your lips. You must memorize it day and night so you can carefully obey all that is written in it. He's bringing him back to the Shema. We talked about that, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. He's bringing him back to that. Write this. Memorize it. Know it. Then you will prosper and be successful. I repeat, be strong and brave. Don't be afraid and don't panic. For I, the Lord your God, am with you in all that you do. Did you catch the words that were repeated over and over again? Be strong. Be courageous. Be strong. Be courageous. Be very strong and courageous. And that's what it's going to take for these Israelites to to manage the uncertainty of this never before experienced promised land. And that's what it takes to be a follower of Christ today. We don't want to be like the guy who said to his friend, yo, man, there's nothing like getting up at 6 in the morning and, and, and going for a run around the park and coming back and you know getting a refreshing shower before breakfast. And his friend said, oh, yeah, man, how long have you been doing that? He said, I'm starting tomorrow. Right? We don't want to be that guy. God, We can identify with that, though, but God knows us. He knows we procrastinate. He knows the, the heart of humanity. He knows we put off till later what we need to do right now. He knows we have fears. Because what if I make the wrong choice? I'm going to overthink it until I don't do anything. Or what if I fail? What's that going to look like? What if I make things worse by my decision, my choice? What if they don't agree with me? What if, what if, what if? The Apostle Paul came to learn the same thing the Israelites should have learned about the nature of God. It's it's the same thing that, that we learn when we walk by faith and not by sight. And he writes about this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I have experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing, I am able to do all things through the One who strengthens me. And this passage doesn't tell me that I can accomplish Everything that I set out in life to accomplish. People use this to to prove they can climb Mount Everest without oxygen. You know, I can do it because God's... No, that's not what this is talking about. I I don't have immunity to challenge and to hardship and to struggle. If I was supposed to have that, then I somehow missed the the vaccination because I don't have it. There is still no cure for that. It's about being sensible that I am unable... To do anything, I am unable to endure anything without God's help, without His strength. So young kids get so frustrated at times trying to open this or or put this together or buckle that, right? They get so frustrated and you hear their frustration, they're crying and they're huffing and they're puffing through it. And then we say, don't get frustrated. If you need help, just ask, right? That's what we say. But how sensible are we, (laughs) adults, right? Do we think we can accomplish much? Without God's help? But do we ask? Do we ask when we want help? It's no wonder we're discouraged and afraid about things in life. And and just as Joshua did, we can go forward with strength and courage because we know that God's with us. We can go forward just as those of faith have gone before us. Not without anxiety about situations we've never faced, but with sure and certain faith that god is with us he's with us and also with the same sure and certain knowledge that we can't do it alone and we don't have to so instead of being paralyzed or 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 losing our mind over unrealized fears we move forward in the strength of faith joshua went forward in this new land we can only imagine he had to have his share of fears I mean, he faced a new land. He didn't have technology. He didn't have a drone flying over to see what was coming. No, they had to face it before they realized it, right? Moses was gone. Joshua looks around and somebody's pushed him to the front of the line. He's the leader now. Here he is. Gone was his mentor. Gone was the, the, the perceived link to the divine. Moses, he's gone. And God told him that now you're supposed to go into Canaan. This land, promised land, full of milk and honey, full of anything you're ever going to need. But looking at it, as they looked across the Jordan, right, it looked unremarkable at best and terrifying at worst. And maybe it, maybe it appeared, to, to his perception, maybe it was, it was as barren as the paper goods aisle in Walmart right now. But in no uncertain terms, God said, you must go forward. You must go forward. You take all these people... We have wandered through the desert with you for so long, and you go forward. He said, but you go forward with a promise. You're not going forward alone. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And here's the thing, how they respond is going to depend on how Joshua responds, right? If they're looking to Him as the gauge for how they should be responding to the uncertainty and, and the challenges and the triumphs and the accomplishments of this new land, then they're going to follow... God wants them to see someone who fully trusts in God while they battle through the adversity. Someone who fully points to God when they conquer their fear of uncertainty. And we too are being asked to go forward with courage and with strength because God has promised us in our life to be with us, guiding us, holding our hand, holding us close. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the season you find yourself in, in life today, God calls you forward. He calls you forward. It's a weird time. <laughs> it's a weird time, right? But Christians must not lose their minds in the chaos of other people's overreaction. We trust God and we obey those who who are are entrusted with our public safety. We can do both. And we encourage others who are struggling to do the same. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. It's your rod and your staff that reassure me, that comforts me. C.S. Lewis has been regarded by many as one of the most influential Christian apologists of of, of his time, in addition to a a career as an English professor, an author of fiction, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Pilgrim's Progress, many of those you've probably heard of or maybe even read some of those recognizable works. During the height of the atomic age, when every American lived in fear of the, the, the final... War that is going to be initiated by an atomic bomb. Lewis wrote this: "How are we to live in an atomic age?" I am tempted to reply, "Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living." in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. And it's funny because there was a wise man in Ecclesiastes who years and years before wrote this in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, What exists now is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is truly nothing new on earth. You had cholera, you had bubonic plague, you had smallpox, influenza, some of the most brutal killers in human history. HIV and AIDS was a terrifying unknown when it was realized in the late 1970s. What has been done will be done again as long as God allows human history to continue to be written. But but the reality is this is us, right? This is us. This is now. And this is real. And while it may break our bodies and it may break our retirement accounts and our vacation plans and our routines, it need not dominate our minds. See, God is immune. (laughs) God is immune to anything that can happen to us. God is immune. God is here. And God will not fail us. And He will not forsake us. So let us take steps towards being a person who, like Joshua, with God's help, can be strong and be courageous no matter what's going on in the world around us, in our families, in our our jobs, in society. Let us be strong and courageous. And what amounts to just another Uncertain day on this beautiful blue globe that God created. So what can we do? Well, first, if we haven't already in life, we've got to accept change in life. Change is part of living. You don't have to like change. No, you don't have to like it. But we have to accept it. After all, we are people who are living by change. Paul wrote about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Because we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. So in our lives, whatever it may be, we have to let go of the past. And we have to be willing to move forward. We have to be willing to start fresh, take a new step or a giant leap maybe when God calls us to do it. God was saying in effect, Joshua, you've got to turn the page. You've got to turn the page. Moses was a great man, not discounting that. He was a great servant, but he's gone. Things are different now. It's time to move on because reality is things change. and We all know the verse in Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season. For everything, there is a season. But when the season changes, do we resist it? Or do we move forward with the assurance that God's with us, even in this season too? So let our prayer be, Lord, I give these things over to You. Whatever it is in my life, lead me out of Your sheepfold into the unknown. Let me put my trust in You because I trust You and I know You are with me. And I know You will not fail me no matter what. See, moving forward in the presence of anxiety means being willing to take a new step when god calls forward calls us to do that and then moving forward requires us to stand on god's promises with confidence and assurance it's what god wants for every area of our life confidence and assurance in him it's security he wants us to rest secured in him the reason for fear is is a lack of security, but the way we overcome fear in any area of our life is to fully embrace true security, not false security. And so those who have riches stored up in Christ can walk forward in full knowledge that He's with us always. He's Emmanuel, God with us, and He will never abandon us. And in this we can be confident. And in this we can be without fear no matter what. And so just as Joshua, or just as God promised Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you. No one can stand up against you all the days of your life. Does this mean Joshua never lost a battle? Nope. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. Read the text, right? But it does mean he lived his life in victory, in the shadow of God's provision, strong and courageous. And then moving forward, even in the presence of anxiety, he was embracing the promise of Jesus Christ. And so God's reassuring words to Joshua are echoed in in, in the, the ears in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And in the words of Jesus in Matthew 28 and verse 20, Surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And so whether we realize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we're never out of God's sight. He sees us all the time. He's with us all the time. He watches over us all the time. And so I want us to understand this. And I want us to accept it and, and, and believe and claim this promise that God has given us. Jesus came to save us from our sins and from death. He came to save us from our fears so that we can be strong and be courageous no matter what's going on in our life. He came for you. He came for me. He came for everyone. And in the Spirit, He's never left. And so even during the darkest days when there was only one set of footprints in the sand, remember, it was then... That He carried you. We're never alone. You might want to say, but I don't feel His presence, right? But He says, I am with you always. And you may say, well, I don't deserve His love right now. He says, I'm with you always. You might say, well, I'm no Moses and I'm no Joshua. And God says, I am with you always. And that's what we try to do with God sometimes, isn't it? Pretend He's not here with us. We pretend he's not watching over us. We pretend that we're all alone and and we can't lean on him for help. And by failing to acknowledge his presence, we miss out on the blessing of his presence and his provision. See, God's not asking Joshua, just suck it up, man. Suck it up and move on. That's not what he's asking him. He's telling him, you can have courage because I've already given you the victory. That's why you can have courage. Because I've overcome all of it. I've already given you the land, Joshua. It's theirs for the taking. It's theirs for the taking. God didn't tell Joshua it was going to be easy. He told him he will succeed by my strength. That's how you're going to do this. These are weird times. <laughs> These are uncertain, frustrating times for us. Scary to, to maybe to some degree. So I want to encourage us. Acknowledge it. Don't deny it. It's true. It is. And don't minimize it. For others because you're not impacted the way they are let's 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 have some courtesy and some patience with those who are not responding to life the way we do and even as we may not share the same fear created by events that we're witnessing today we can all share the same message We can share the same message. Even when life is scary. Even when it's uncertain. Even when it's anxiety producing. We can be strong and courageous. Why? Because God has already guaranteed victory over this life in Jesus Christ. He didn't say it would be easy. Living in the human flesh is not always easy. People done bought up all the toilet paper. Life ain't easy. Following Jesus is not always easy. But we will share in His victory. We will share in His victory over death through eternity if we believe in our hearts, if we confess with our mouths, if we repent with our tongues, if we die to our sin through baptism, if we are raised by God to a new life and live in this new life, in His presence. So let's all of us take a spiritual chill pill. How about that? Let's turn off the rabble. I said it a couple weeks ago. You let me live. I'm going to say it again. Turn off the TV. Open your Bible. Listen to local professionals. I don't care what's going on in the nation. The people who are right here in my city are the ones that are affecting me the most. I'm going to listen to my mayor. I'm going to listen to my governor. I'm going to listen to my Arkansas Health Department. Turn off the rabble and show courtesy to those who are not responding to life the way you're responding to life. Look for ways to ease one another's burdens right now and use opportunities like this to inject hope in the lives of those around us because we're, we're not just going to survive this, whatever this is. We are more than conquerors because who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So every day that God blesses us to live on this earth brings with it potential to, to, uh, to introduce new complex challenges into our lives. But it's also equally likely that each day will gift us with an opportunity, exciting new opportunities to glorify God through our response. And so that is our common goal. There is our common focus. And this morning as we come together, can we share a common need that maybe you have for prayers, for encouragement. Maybe you are ready to confess to God a sin that's been clinging to you. Maybe you are ready to repent of that sin and ask His forgiveness. And we can pray with you and for you in that moment. Maybe you are ready to finally surrender your life to Jesus Christ, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, cleansed from the sin... That's the only cure there is for sin. Be raised up a new person, a new life. God, bring you through the flood of, of, of this life into the beautiful milk and honey of eternal promise. We would love to celebrate that with you today. Nonetheless, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way this morning while we're together, will you come as we stand and as we sing?